Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, chapter 3, the book of Revelation, as I mentioned the last couple of days, let's... uh, Uh, I didn't want to go into all of the introduction in any one segment because it's just overwhelming. So I'm giving a little bit of introduction every single time. So we're into this, these seven letters now in chapters two and three from Jesus through the Apostle John to the angels, or these are human leaders. And I, I believe that Timothy is the one over Ephesus, the first of the seven churches being written to. So let's look now here. We're on church number five. So it says, and to the angel of the church of Sardis, right? So let me just share. I've been giving you sort of the the main theme or the main emphasis of each of the letters here. And Sardis, all believers must love God with a pure heart for their works to be seen as alive in God's eyes. So we can't just be, you know, attending church, just going through the motions. No, we must do these things with a pure heart. So let's let's listen to the Lord Jesus. He says to the angel of the church in Sardis, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that, uh, that you have a name, that you are alive. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive but you are dead. Oh, this is uh, about the strongest confrontation, but you are dead. He's writing to a messenger and to a church here in Sardis, and he's saying, I know you have a name that you're not, you're alive. I know that in reputation, you're an alive church, but I'm telling you, you are dead. Verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Boy, Jesus calls it like it is. He is the he is faithful and true. Verse 3, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. In other words, remember the word of God, the gospel, the truth, the discipleship that you have received. He said, remember that and hold fast to that and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. Notice, there are a few people among you who have are not defiled like the rest of you, and they will walk with me. They will be, they will have eternal life and salvation for they're worthy. Verse five, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches and uh, here he he uh, is talking to a church that is largely lost. Boy, I tell you what, these are real literal churches in the first century that John was writing to. But let me tell you, this relates today. I believe that there are churches where the majority of people in those churches 
are really not even born again. Now, how could we say that? Well, remember in uh, passages like Matthew chapter 7, the 21st verse, where Jesus said, uh, he said, in that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons and do all these things? And he's, he said, I'm going to tell them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. He said, many are going to do that. And I believe we can see here to this church here that he's writing to Sardis that we can see this is typical of certain churches. I'm not saying the majority, only God would know. But I'm telling you, there are churches that have uh, what we would call more carnal Christians. They're not really serving the Lord. And they're hearing teaching that is not causing them to have the fear of the Lord. We must teach so that people have the fear of the Lord and that we live righteously before God. Yes, we're saved by grace, but having been saved by grace, we must walk in the truth and walk in the righteousness that God has given us freely. And so here, he said, you got a name, but you're dead. You, you, your reputation says you're alive, but you're not. And if you don't repent, I'm going to come like a thief. In other words, you're not going to know what comes upon you, but I've warned you, I've given you time, but there are a few of you who have walked with me, and they're worthy, and they're, they're going to receive the white garments and such. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh, may anybody listening, may the conviction of the Holy Spirit, may the conviction of the Word of God, may God show us who we are. We must walk in righteousness. Now, if you are walking in righteousness, then we shouldn't receive any condemnation, but we should still should allow the fear of the Lord to rise within our hearts so that we stay on the right track and overcome. Verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Oh, this is a good one. Ready? Philadelphia, God honors those who prove faithful in the face of persecution and attack. So to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Now that does not mean that every open door Jesus opens and every closed door Jesus closes. No, the devil can open doors too. They're called temptations. Happens all the time. And he can close doors too. They're called blockage, blocking. You know, Paul said uh, to one church, he said, I wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. See, the door was closed, but Jesus didn't close it. God didn't close the door. But what this does say is when God does open the door, no one can shut it. And when God does close the door, no one can open it. So I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. So he's commending them. You have a little strength. Maybe you're not as strong as you ought to be, but you have a little strength and I'm opening a door for you. Uh, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. You have a little strength, have kept my word, have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Now, when that says worship before your feet, he's not going to cause these people who have aligned themselves with Satan and have uh, attacked, persecuted, 
stood against these true people of God in the Church of Philadelphia. He's not going to have them come and worship them, but worship is when you have to bow down. In other words, they're going to have to come and humble themselves before you and acknowledge that they were in the wrong and you were in the right. Jesus is saying, I'm going to require that of them, that they do that. Verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world. I believe this is talking about a real trial that was going to come on the whole world. And he said, I'm going to keep you because you have kept my command to persevere. I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. This is typifying their salvation, their eternal life, the crown that they'll get for overcoming. Verse 12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven. We'll talk more about that in later chapters from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, bless the Lord. So Philadelphia gets probably the best message because there's not a correction like I have this against you. Uh, They're the church that is commended and not necessarily told that they've got their act together because he said, you have a little strength. You have a little strength. But he said, basically, you're on the right track. Keep going. Keep strengthening. Keep doing the will of God. Okay, here we go. And verse 14, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. So here's the final letter to the final angel of the final church. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And so let me tell you about the Laodicea letter. The message is a believer must offer God his whole life, keeping nothing back. You must offer God your whole life. He's not just a part of your life. No, the Lord is your whole life. Verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know, listen to this, that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And so Jesus is saying, you've been deceived. You've been deceived. And you've allowed yourself now to be lukewarm in your relationship, your fellowship with God, in your serving of the Lord. You're not hot after the Lord, but you're not considered cold. And so you think you're in a sweet spot, comfortable. Hey, the blessings of God have come to my life. Things are all right and such. And I I think a lot of the church today is in this category. And the Lord is coming and saying, hey, I would rather you be cold or hot because you're lukewarm. It's kind of a deceptive place to be. And he said, I'll spit you, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And he says, you say that you're rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. He said, but that's not reality. You are 
wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy, B-U-Y, purchase from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. So notice he's saying, look, you think you figured this thing out. He said, but you're wrong. You haven't. He said, so here is my counsel to you. Here's my advice to you. You need to buy real gold from me. You need to buy real gold from me. In other words, you need to exchange whatever possessions you have, whatever of things of value that you have, including your time. You need to exchange your life to purchase from me the real gold, not the money. No, but the real gold, the things of real spiritual eternal value, white garments, being right with God, walking in righteousness. He said, these are the things that you need to be valuing more than earthly possessions and pleasures and such. So he goes on to say, uh, and that you uh, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Now, of course, he's not talking about physical sight. He's saying you need to receive some eye salve from me, something that will help your eyes, your perspective to, to pop open and for you to see reality, to see what's important and what's not important. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So he's saying, I'm rebuking you. In fact, this would be true for all of these churches. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Why? Well, Paul tells us in the 11th chapter of the book of, uh, let's see, 1 Corinthians, in the communion passage, if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Jesus doesn't want anybody to go to hell. See, doesn't want anybody to go to hell. And so therefore, he said, because I love you, I'm rebuking you, chastening you so that you'll stay on the right path and stay with the Lord and have eternal life. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Notice that is not to unbelievers. This is to believers. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. What's interesting is Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice. He didn't say, if anyone hears my knock. How does the Lord knock? He knocks because he's, he knocks by speaking to us. And so inside of our hearts, he's speaking. He's calling us. He's saying, hey, listen to me. I need you to change this. I need you to make this adjustment. I need you to do this. Stop doing that. And so he said, do you hear my knock? Do you hear me? Invite me in to talk about these things. I'll, I'll encourage you. I'll strengthen you. So he said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him, fellowship with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And I also will over, uh, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So all of you, and this would include all of us in the body of Christ, anybody who makes Jesus Lord, and we overcome the temptations of this world to continue to walk under his lordship. He said, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. We're going to read about 24 other thrones. But he said, I'll grant to sit on my throne with me, just as I also overcame and sat 
down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh, folks, these words and messages from the Lord Jesus are so right on target, not only for these churches in John's day, but also for churches in our day as well. May we follow the leading of the Lord, and may each of us continue to overcome and to confront the flesh and to walk in obedience to the truth of the Word of God. By the way, us reading the Bible every day is crucial to this. I'm not saying this is the only way you have to read the Bible with me. No, but having regular dosage uh, doses of God's word strengthens us. It keeps our thinking straight because God always speaks the truth and it, he realigns our thinking. And that's why it's important to be in God's word on a daily basis. Well, I've got some more important introduction to the book of Revelation that I'm going to bring just before the next chapter, chapter four. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.